You're listening to the Fortnite Podcast with your hosts, Monster Deface and Michael Pan. Available on Spotify, Apple Music, and all other podcast streaming platforms. What up, what up, what up, and welcome to another episode of the Fortnite Podcast. Your host here, Monster Deface, back from wedding travels in Florida. Uh, and, and I'm joined once again on the mic, my boy Panda. Panda, you did a kick ass job last <laughs> yeah no seriously last podcast i was pleasantly surprised and i got to kind of sit back and listen i wanted to publicly apologize on this episode for dropping it late but it's kind of not my fault is it panda okay listen so there, there's a, a mix of things first i send the email <laughs> to him with the podcast because we recorded this just to give some context last week and um and so i sent the email right after uh to monster uh to post it and uh, I happened to forget to include the podcast attachment. <laughs> he forgot the full audio file, guys. It, this totally should have went live last week. We had it all planned out, and then there was nothing in the mailbox. And, you know, I thought I was the one drinking and partying on travels. Maybe he was when he recorded <laughs> or afterwards because he forgot <laughs> to send it. Um, so that's why it's a little late. But it was great content. It's still very much relevant content. And now you guys get, like, I guess a little double whammy, maybe a triple if you check out the PMP episode we're going to be dropping later too, which is a zero, episode zero for Practice Makes Perfect. Um, just another spin on like not only Fortnite topics, but like other stuff in between. I'm sure we'll have Panda on there as well. But anyways, that's why this is episode 146. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Big day today in the Fortnite community. Um, I would yeah. say not only because it's my birthday, guys, February 1st, but... We got a huge update today, didn't we? Oh, yes, we did. But first, of course, got to say happy birthday to, to the man, myth, and legend himself. And uh, and a quick shout out. He, he talked about how I did on the podcast. The only reason I did as well as I did is because I had a great mentor leading up to to being put in that position Who's to that? be able to, to host that. Oh, you know, it's just this guy. His name's Javier. I don't know if you've <laughs> met him. Um, but uh, No, so it, it's been a great, great day leading up to this. And uh, here it is. The big update rolls out, and and Fortnite's new fix for what's going on is they have returned. They've brought back the heavy shotgun, but it's buffed. It is mm. one pellet, right? It's not like other shotguns that are multiple pellets, right? It's one pellet to hit, so it's a it's it's, it's a slugger. It's got pros and cons, right? To the to the damage, right? Obviously, with one pellet, if that one pellet connects, you're doing full damage. There's not any in between, right? It is a little bit more difficult, I think, in, in circumstances to hit shots. However, if you do, and if you do even from a distance, it is incredible. Actually, Resub put out a tweet this morning, and it showcased the distance that you could do. And it's actually, you can do damage 14 tiles away. Let that sink in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And just for context, guys, that is like, if you're standing in... I don't know. Let's use Greasy Grove. If you're at, like, let's say the burger joint and you look way out, like, you can shoot from the burger joint, like, damn near to the end of the gas station that would be across the street. Like, <laughs> that's 14 tiles in Fortnite world. It's very far. We're talking a substantial amount of distance, and we're talking a substantial amount of damage if you get the headshot multiplier, which it can do about 100-plus damage from anywhere from 10 tiles in between so there's some really big damage here um it kind of gives me the the feeling of what the combat shotgun should have been a slug type shotgun mm. now 
the cool side about what they did with this heavy shotgun, in my opinion, that changes it, it's not just the fact that it has a slugger, but it's the fact that hit fire is like bloom somehow. So, and that works kind of weird, right? Because just because your reticule, I guess, is like on them, there's still like a slight bloom factor if you're not aimed down sight. So it does make for a very interesting shotgun. It's arguably the most uh, consistent, but at the same time, it could be the not most consistent, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really interesting. Even looking at it, the first time I, I got to see that clip that Reese did early this morning, I, I, I looked at it, and it's literally the, the way that it ate, when you ADS in, the, the whole reticle just, like, shrinks down to one dot. And you're like, what am I shooting with? It's like confusing the first time you take a look at it. But in my opinion, I think it's a good step in the right direction. They needed something to to encourage people not just to pick up SMGs, but to pick up uh, shotguns as well. And this is definitely a shotgun for this community. Not only that, SMGs also have faced, um, outside of, of course, the backlash to Epic. But, you know, Epic has been listening. They've been adjusting the SMG. And it, I believe, reached another nerf down. So SMG MK7 hits another wall where they're... I don't think they reduced the damage, but maybe tweaked the fire rate a little bit. So there have definitely been nice. some big changes. They are trying to find a sweet spot. Unfortunately, I don't think we've ever hit a sweet spot, even with the compact, right? Like yeah. the P90 or whatever. So uh, it's just one of those weapons that's really tough to balance. And um, I think they kind of let it, I guess, fester a little too long, right? You know? It was mm -hmm. it was in a terrible state. It hasn't gotten any better, like or, or didn't get better fast enough. And it, you know the damage has been done, I guess. So no one's gonna be happy this season. But who knows? Maybe with this heavy shotgun. Um, I know for a fact when we start getting into like comp season, right in two weeks, and qualifiers start to kick off, like the clips are gonna be ridiculous. Like we're talking a shotgun that sounds, feels, and does some big damage. And because of that. I'm I'm looking forward to what like the clips and the highlights are gonna sound like like where we're in spectator mode and we're really in the thick of it with the pros. Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's a ton of stuff that's been adjusted, and so I'm interested to get feedback on like what like the community is thinking about some of these things because like obviously the big the big topic has been the heavy shotgun right getting added, but some people haven't even realized that a mythic version of the Stinger SMG has made it in. Mm, true. On top of that, there's like some some other things they've like added like masks and, and other cool stuff but um again they continue to to try and evaluate like other things for competitive so again it, they publicly said they did another a nerf to the SMG and MK7 but I, w nobody really has the details for it if that makes sense so yeah, yeah we don't we don't have those exact stats yeah we really yeah. don't a couple i guess casual perspectives on the heavy shotgun and i say casual because i uh, watched nick a30 stream this morning he did a little reaction to the shotgun and i mean he was out there popping fools like dropping players very consistent with the shots um granted these are regular players but his general consensus was hey this weapon feels amazing like it was really yeah. really good and then we have like another casual perspective my boy squatting dog who's like kind of taking jabs at Fortnite, like, oh, yes, look, I didn't think sniper rifles are coming back. And then, like, he posts <laughs> a photo of, like, the legendary heavy shotgun because, guys, that is how much range it has. So there are definitely two sides of the coin. I don't know if you saw Benji Fishy's tweet, but Benji Fishy, I'm going to go ahead and read this one word for word. Hold on, let me go ahead and search him up here on Twitter. But Benji Fishy said, 
Do they even test this bleep? Why is there a shotgun sniper? Um, and he quote retweets Reese Hub's video where he demonstrates how far you can shoot with it. So a little bit yeah. of everything out there. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think it's definitely a step in the right direction. Maybe the damage is a little too far, uh, but you can't really make an opinion until we watch a tournament with it and we watch these players scrim with it and see how they're able to use it and, and the impact that it has on the meta. Because again, a lot of people right now, have been, they haven't been running shotguns. The, the whole meta has been focused around the Stinger SMGs and, and what they provide. And, and so this is like the first viable shotgun in the game that could potentially slow down the spray meta, but SMGs, unless there's a pretty significant fire rate change, um, are still going to be pretty strong. But again, that's kind of what they're meant to be. SMGs are designed to compete with a shotgun. Like they're meant to be on that same level. And I think people just genuinely don't understand that. Yeah, exactly. It's supposed to be a literal other viable option, not necessarily the primary, but a definite safe go-to. And I mean, it does what it's supposed to do on a functionality, a functionality level. It shreds through walls, it applies pressure, and it can finish the job if you get in the box. So um, it just is what it is. You can't really design a weapon like an SMG and I guess, or you can and take this approach that you, you give it all this functionality and it's pretty clear why, why it's a favorite. Um, but I mean, yeah. same thing can be said about the MK7. Like MK7 is a hybrid assault rifle, right? Obviously people don't use it in the same fashion because you don't want to burn through your medium ammo. But I mean, it's equally as powerful in the sense that that high fire rate can shred through these builds, right? So I think I think the real problem is that we have like two of these variants. So it almost feels like you never get a break. You never get to actually get away from these pressure weapons that are kind of in the meta right now. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, I think it's it's pretty interesting, especially, I don't know if you heard this, but the, it was announced today that there's two new monitors coming out this year. And it's like a 360 hertz, 1440p monitor, and then a 500 hertz, 1080p monitor. If, if the SMGs are still affected by FPS like they were in the past, Ooh. which I don't know if anybody's tested in a while, could you imagine 500 FPS, 500 hertz with <laughs> a Stinger SMG? That thing would shred people. That's actually very, very interesting. I didn't think about that, but you know, people like you that exploit the system and then share it to our <laughs> thousands of listeners are the reason these things go viral. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, guys, I'm talking about that, how quickly technology allows information to spread. So Panda's just unleashed Pandora's box, if you will. Uh, people are going to be looking at this and, and probably testing this out uh, to explain what he was talking about, because I don't think we've we haven't touched on this in a long time this is like no. a very very old issue but there was a point in time where basically your fps in game was correlated to how frequent you were able to basically have the game respond to your inputs so when you just hold a button obviously uh it's just a gun firing away but if you had the high refresh rate monitor and you had the frames to go ahead and basically outframe your opponent uh, their game could not keep up with you. Don't know how it works on a coding level, but that's how it works on a basic functionality level, like what was occurring between the interactions. So um, a 500 hertz monitor, yeah, frames, you know, having that 3090 Ti, whatever, those big boy RTX graphics cards <laughs> pumped all the way down to like zero frames so that you can 
or, or zero graphic quality, so you get all the frames, is probably going to be like the most OP thing. Yeah, but I imagine that a 500 hertz monitor, when it comes out, it's going to be like 800 to $1,000. So it's not like it's going to be the go-to monitor for everybody, I mean, right? Listen. But you will you will definitely see the pros probably invest in it. I mean, we saw the Booga, one of the first ones to pick up that 360 hertz monitor. And I mean, he's out here winning championships. That's what I was going to say. I was like, the people that have the liquid cash to do it are our rich pros in this scene, like mm-hmm. who are rich for a reason because they're the best of the best. So it almost seems like the best of the best will get uh, another advantage, a leg up in the field. Yeah, I mean, either way, it'll be interesting to see how it impacts the game. I mean, we've had we've had time and time again new hardware come out, but I, I haven't seen anybody really talk about it in a while. So maybe they did fix it. You know what I mean? Like maybe it's just not as it was because we didn't even hear the conversation when 360 hertz monitors came out. And I thought for sure we were going to hear about it when it came to like the SMG fire rate and stuff. So maybe they really have balanced it. But either way, uh, I'm excited for this competitive season, but I'm also nervous because we kind of talked about updates coming even for comp. Spider-Man got nerfed down to to 20 uses, right? And the community's still not happy about it. Like, so I feel like the community, like there's a lot of community members, number one, that have left the game entirely, which is like just baffles me. And number two, there's a lot of people that still aren't happy with the current state of adjustments, no matter what adjustments they make. And I think the 20 uses is a pretty viable, like it's still usable, right? It's a mythic item. It's, I don't think it's as strong as the drum gun or, or many of the other mythics we've had in the past. Right. But I think it's definitely a viable option uh, I mean, to still considering comp. Listen, there was a point in time where the grappler had 10 shots and it was mm-hmm. amazing. So 20 shots on Spider-Man's hands, still very, very good. There's, I think that's something that is just unarguably beneficial. It's it's viable. It's great. And it can be used in many different ways. And we're seeing that innovation kind of, I guess, take place and take form day in and day out. Uh, a, a piece of content or uh, messaging that kind of ties into this is actually Reverse 2K. Uh, two hours ago, he was kind of sharing his perspective on, I guess, Epic's approach to the season and their their overall uh, direction. And he says, and I'm going to go ahead and read his tweet here, but he basically says, hey, I think Epic's goal with updates and the evolution of the game is to minimize the skill gap as much as they can. Their motto is everyone can win. Those are in quotations. Um, yeah. Not necessarily the worst thing. And he put that in parentheses. But then he moves on to say, I think what you're seeing is these easy-to-use guns that are super fast to kill players, so lower-tier players have a chance to kill an opponent, uh, which makes sense. And then he says, hence also the reason why peace controlling is not used this much this season because they can't spray in. Now, Ninja comes in, because we love, you know, we love talking about Ninja in Reverse 2K. They have, like, some of the best, uh, you know, some of the best history in the scene. But Ninja jumps in, he drops his perspective here. He doesn't really play the game as much as uh, anymore. I feel like he's made a, a recent return, though. So it's kind of cool to see him drop his perspective. But he says, this is 100% accurate. A top player who truly wants to win in solos can play safer and smarter and win more often. It, however, is harder to play reckless and aggressive now because more players can pressure in. So what he's saying is Ninja thinks that basically a lot of the pros, the frustration comes from because they are overly confident that they want to take these fights, which is true. Um, but mm-hmm. they are, they're facing the burn perspective right like you can easily get turned and burned on with these weapons there is no room for error here and i guess it it kind of works that way but at the same time 
you know, aggressive players are going to be aggressive and they're just going to make things frustrating for people hiding too. So, um, but, but it is cool to see how, like, even with the changes, like, to the SMG, to the Spider-Man hands, like, it's pretty clear that players like Reverse 2K have this perspective about what's going on. And they, they're kind of, I guess, is it, is just like come to, come to grips or, you know, they're just okay with the fact that like, yeah, this is what Epic's been doing and this is what they're going to continue to do. Well, I mean, if you think about when, when Fortnite was at its peak, right, this is kind of the motto that they stood by. Do you know what I mean? Like the game has always had a fun element to it in competitive until they took competitive way more seriously. And I feel like then it was like, yeah, the game became more competitive. Don't get me wrong. But like it also, people just didn't enjoy playing it the same. Do you know what I mean? Like they enjoyed that it was more competitive, but you never saw people just truly enjoying the game because it was competitive, if that makes sense. Now with these updates, you see the casual group coming back. You, you even see there are like, competitive people that they're like look i love these things in pubs but i don't want it in competitive so now it's about finding a solid balance between the two but still making even competitive kind of fun and and it's it's a challenge right i can only imagine what epic is going through behind the scenes trying to figure out what's the best way to make everything perfect for everyone but at the same time, I, I think it, it's kind of cool to see where it's where it's at now. I know that's an unpopular opinion. I know that if pros hear that, they're coming from my head. But at the same time, I really like and enjoy watching what I've watched so far, even though it hasn't been quote unquote as competitive. Yeah, I agree. I think I think ultimately uh, on an entertainment level, we're definitely there. And that's why I was kind of feeding into the whole idea at the start. Like, Heavy Shock and making a return is big exciting for me. And I, I like the change in the Heavy Shock. And Heavy Shock, and if you guys remember, like, for any OGs out there, y'all know, uh, whenever me and Troy back in the day would talk about shotgun preference, for me, it was the Heavy. I always felt like it was the most versatile, um, big damage close range, good damage at longer ranges. It's different now, so I don't know if I could put it as my favorite as of right now, but yeah. it, it always has had its special place. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. Like, Heavy Shotgun was always one of those that I loved to use so much, and to see it come back this morning, I was so pumped. I was excited to load up Fortnite and play, right? But, uh, like, it, it's instantly when I go on the timeline with, with people that haven't even opened up their game to try and use it yet that like instantly they're just like nope this isn't gonna work i saw reese hub tweet about the distance and and this that and the third and but to be honest that's how the combat shotgun was and everybody loved the combat shotgun the heavy shotgun in the past had great range before yeah that, so we'll see we'll, I mean, we'll see it is true it is true we're, def we're definitely gonna have a little bit of a shift in in the loadouts which I, i'm looking forward to um other changes that i guess uh, underrated changes There's a couple new pois in the game right i think the grotto is fully uh fully unlocked now there's like um, a vault area now i, I don't oh, exactly yeah. have the location or, or the name right now but i think it's at the cove right the vault or, yeah or something so like it's that. Mm -hmm. it's um the mountains north of camp cuddle and the poi is now called the covert cavern which That's is very it is. similar it's the grotto quote uh, quote unquote grotto 2.0 and it has an insane vault like if a competitive team a competitive duo get that space they're definitely going to be kitted up because there is 
supply drops. There are the the henchman chests. There are regular like there are ammo crates. Like everything you could possibly need is in that vault, and all they would need is that vault to would be you, successful. Would you say it's like the equivalent of the shark from the last chapter? Like kind of like like because it's like northern, right? Like is it the equivalent to like that in a sense or? I would say it's not. I think it would it'd be a little bit stronger than Ooh. the vault, similar okay. to to that. Just a little bit. I'm not saying it's like. Is that due to positioning or due like to loot availability? I think uh, it's a little bit of both. It's 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 north of Camp Cuddle, but I don't know that it's fully north. I'm actually gonna pull up the map here. Um, so it, it's kind of in an interesting spot where if you can get all that loot great but i'm not sure the one thing i'm not sure of is where um what is it where spider-man gauntlets would be located near that because mm, okay. camp cuddles on the west side of the map the far west it's uh there are spider-man gauntlets if i remember correctly just north of camp cuddle which actually if now that i'm looking at the way that these mountains are laid out it might actually be the mountains where they they put this vault so if there are Spider-Man gauntlets on top of this vault, on top of the POI, like that could be pretty strong and we could see teams fighting for that. Yeah, no, w without a doubt. Like the map I think right now is in a very interesting space. I think there's tons of loot options. There's obviously a, a fair amount of healthy POIs that you can land at. Um, So what what I haven't heard from pros is like, any loot disparity right like hey the, you know lack of loot which that was an issue in many seasons before like hey we don't have enough drop spots have not yeah. heard anything of that kind of sort so it sounds like for the duos for the way things are breaking up right now there's plenty of draw spots that are just working out for teams and players um not necessarily feeling like things are overly contested which is going to lead to a much higher caliber of finals and like i said the addition of this new poi this is only adding loot to the economy, guys. This is a, a, a basically an unlocked location that wasn't there before and there wasn't complaints before. So this is just a, another, I guess, uh, you know, kind of sweeten the sweeten the deal a little bit on the on the Fortnite map. So I'm very I'm very happy about that. I'm very much looking forward to seeing how uh, the pros start to break up this map and and begin to land. I I want to say like competitive practice in the pro scene is still still in shambles. Honestly, we haven't really ever yeah. recovered from where we kind of left off. So I don't genuinely feel like we have a good take on where all the people are landing just yet, like the top tier competitors that we expect to see in mm -hmm. finals, um, which means that this year is setting up to have tons of new names in finals because people yeah. are basically coming in with a blind dart. So we we are in a new era. Like this whole, I, I genuinely believe this year we're going to unveil tons of new rising stars, potential players. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. I mean, time and time again, these pros have, have sat back and said this could be the best season ever if it wasn't for SMG or MK7. Right. Like, that's been their their motto, right? So I imagine that plays into the fact that they've been able to find POIs. They've been able to either split POIs mm -hmm. or find enough loot to where they don't have to take off-spawn engagements and rotate appropriately, etc. So it's really interesting. Uh, we actually, Reese and I did a video for Fortnite's channel where we talked about the map we talked about what Booga was doing, and he's landing Chonker Speedway, and he has, for rotation, he has the cars with the, the off-road tires. And on top of that, he has a ton of coolers, which the coolers have tons of heals. So I definitely think the environmental heals across the board, across the entire map, 
have been so nice for the player base. But again, they still want to find something in the SMGs and stuff to, to make it not as enjoyable for them. Right, that's that's kind of the focus point there. But yep, there's there's a lot going on that's good. Um, but kind of just talking about players not necessarily enjoying their their selves because of the uh, the season. Um, I don't know if this is a troll or not, but reason reason uh, definitely came out and he talked about how he's ready to leave Fortnite now. This is I feel like coming off of what was a wave of players genuinely stepping away from the game, pursuing other things. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Saf did as well, which is like an OG. Mm. Did you guys actually cover that in the last episode or not? Um, I believe we did. I believe we did talk about Saf retiring. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just double check here. But actually, yeah, just no, I don't think we did. So let's okay. talk about that. Right, because this this came out just a couple days ago. Actually, it was just a just a couple days after that you you all recorded. Um, Saf announced that he's actually retiring from Fortnite and. For anyone that's more of like a casual listener, maybe don't follow competitive as much or however that may work out. Like Saf has been here, guys, since the earliest days of competition. Like we're talking the golden days of Fortnite when it was invite only, summer skirmish vibes, um, very close community. The community was older back then, right? You had the Chaps, the Toms, the Tifus of the world, like everyone competing under this one happy, you know, umbrella, if you will. Everyone was ecstatic about the game. Saf was there. He was there with Zay, and they've been grinding this game ever since. They were pioneers of the space, and he's stepping away to go play Valorant and pursue something different. Um, I'm happy in the sense that part of his retirement message is like, he's learned so much from Fortnite. He's going to do things differently in Valorant. He's going to make content and this and that. And the other side is like, dude, when you were at your peak, if only you actually cared about these things, you would be yeah. like a clicks, you know, level stardom right like good for life set for life anything you wanted to do now i feel like i don't know the future of him is is possibly a little bit um volatile right but not only that he's he's gone he's leave he's left the game yeah i think it's uh it's quite unique it's quite interesting that you say that because i mean look at clicks like you said where he's at right now versus where saf could be in my opinion saf is so much i don't want to say much more enjoyable than clicks but he has a, a bit more of a mature mentality and i think that would create a pretty unique viewing experience for everybody so if he if, if he had really focused on creating more content i think he'd be bigger than clicks to be honest i think um the potential there is is crazy and and you got to think about the time that he was coming up to if he was creating content with the creators at that time you're you're talking nick mm -hmm. Merckx. You're talking courage. You're talking ninja. Like he ha he definitely had the potential to play and interact with these guys on a content level, and it could have been leagues different for him at now. I mean, it takes me back to when like Zayt streamed for like two weeks, and you know it, the meme was like, <laughs> "Dude, Ozzy, your channel's dead. Like it's over." Like Zayt's doing viewing parties, and like out of nowhere, Zayt's pulling like 10k views. Right? Like mm -hmm. again. This is the level of uh, interest that the scene has in these top tier players. And they just, you know, uh, I've been harping about this for years. You guys here know they did not take advantage of it. And now we're reaching those points where people are transitioning out. And what do you have to show for it? Right? Like it's, these are important things for anyone building a career in this space, but I could, I could go on and on about, you know, that kind of stuff. We're not, we're not going to sit too much on it, but talk about Aussie antics, like kind of making that joke there. Um, He's actually 
heading to LA today as we are recording this. This man's on a flight. Uh, if you know how long it takes for you to uh, get from Australia to the West Coast in Cali, uh, shoot us a message on Twitter at Fortnite Podcast. I'd love to know. I'm not going to search it up right now, but the man's, I'm assuming, on a journey right now. Um, and he's he's coming off the high, right, of broadcasting for the Australian Open again. So that's been like a consistent bag for him. And his channel's been crushing it. Yeah, it has. I mean, look, he was he was kind of at this point, right, where where he separated from the broadcast and and just blew up like his, his brand his content whether it's youtube or streams etc everything was going upwards for him nrg happened etc now he's at this point where it's kind of at a, a it's kind of been at a standstill right like he's hit the peak but now this is the potential for him to continue growing because what he what he talks about he or what he talks about doing or what he's going to do i should say with nrg coming up is pretty exciting and unique. So it'll be cool to see what he can continue to accomplish, especially for like for us, right? We're, we're casters. We've been in the, the position that he's been in, right? Not now, but like when he was growing. So it's cool to see the potential f- for what we can do and what we can accomplish if we continue to do the right thing. So it, it, it's it's pretty exciting to say the least, and, and I'm gonna continue to follow up on what he's doing. Yeah. But it, it's crazy that the broadcast brought him back. You see that brought him back for for AO, the Australian Open Finals. Obviously, that's a big thing. He's been a part of it for since the beginning of his casting career, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I, I was and, gonna say that that broadcast is run by ESL, so it's not like that's not a Fortnite official show. It's a third party organizer, gotcha. technically, right? Who's probably not necessarily in the loop. Like, oh, this dude was like, you know, he's not a part of the main broadcast or whatever, right? Like, so yeah. it makes sense that he'd find those kind of opportunities, which is really cool. Uh, one thing I did want to talk about just while we were on him, and I didn't want it to slip my mind, is um, his transition in the type of content he's been making because. Like, you know, he, he kind of went the Fortnite guy, like, drama-esque, right? Like, following the, the drama of the Fortnite pros. But what he's mm-hmm. been diversifying in, and I'm assuming he took um, inspiration from Justicle, who's gotten a lot of success at this, but is, like, storytelling. Uh, piecing together fun documentary-style content pieces on um, professional players in the history. He did one for Boogas. Uh, Booga story. He did one for uh, Laser Beam about a month ago. Before that, so and these have been his best performing videos lately. And I think he realizes that, like, yeah, kind of doing the same thing is more like trending down. So he has to diversify. He has to switch it up, and he's doing a great job already with the YouTube content that is story driven. It's clearly uh, amplifying his views by about five x, right? Which is that's that's yeah. massive. We're talking about uh, big numbers on top of big numbers, right? But he's also mm-hmm. traveling. So that's going to revitalize his, I, I feel like, his lifetime or his lifespan in the space. People are surely going to be interested in what he's doing in America. Like, you know, this this is mm-hmm. this is very exciting times for someone like Ozzy Antics. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think his pivot into that, that more long-form content that takes a little bit more time, not the rushed one take on a camera, talk about the news, talk about competitive and keep going, is smart for him especially when you consider like we just came out of a lull of like two months with nothing, nothing going on. So for him, it was smart at that point to, to make this content. And, and it was the time to test it out because there's a Fortnite audience that's waiting to, to see some kind of unique content. And with 
competitive being kind of at a a bit of a slow point until FNCS and stuff starts kicking back up, which it's just starting now. You kind of have to find something to watch, and and I think that's what worked for him. He was able to bridge that gap that that was there. Like I've been saying for a while behind the scenes that I want to I want to do the like the stories from the battle bus style esque videos. Like that's something I want to invest in in 2022. Yep. I want to get like I, I I don't care if I have to fly places and like produce the content that way. Like I want to put in effort. So you should like those videos. You should connect with my boy John Rush and, and myself at Prac because we've already kind of laid out a game plan. We have a camera crew. We have a lot of that stuff already uh kind of laid out. So, you know, maybe there's a world where you bake in and, and we do something cool. But I'm I'm with you no. on that. I think this is a space that um needs to be tackled because one, it's cool, right? And it'd be an amazing journey to kind of capture, right? This is this is like history. We don't want to get left behind. Um, but too, just on a branding level, like when I think about like what kind of content that I want to see and like I'd be proud to be a part of, it's that, right? Like that's like top of the, you know, peak peak of the mountain type stuff you can do in the space that is beneficial for for everyone. Um, talk about fun yeah. content and stuff. Like I dropped a YouTube video, guys. Go check it out. Hey, little <laughs> little top ten list of God Fortnite players. Look out for in twenty twenty two. Um, partnered up with my boy Kinch Analytics on this. He's been writing articles and stuff for for Prac since we uh we hired him coming into New Year. So definitely using all that stuff to to go ahead and repump out some some cool content pieces. But um yeah, definitely, dude. I, I love the love the idea of like documentary style content, um, scripted content, things that takes a little bit more time, right? Um yeah. I think the hardest part for Fortnite though is figuring out like who as a player deserves the opportunity, one, but also kind of gets why this could be valuable for them, right? Like, Because where yeah. the mind space is for a lot of these guys, they're just not there. They don't see the value in investing in that kind of content. Yeah, I, I, I see it time and time again. I mean, we do like like we do things behind the scenes where where we work with players and, and do other things. And, and they don't want to be a part of it. And they don't want to be a part of it. Yeah. Or we struggle to get them to be a part of things in, in in our content for, and for example imagine mm -hmm. winning a tournament and then you're like nah don't want to interview i'm good like what you you don't want to be on the main like you know what i mean and then like, like literally main, main broadcast yeah. picks like a top 10 or a top like dog like you just won like get on here like talk to the people like these are the moments that will solidify you make you like uh, you know goat status legendary status um because you, you have to be a spokesman you have to be a show person at the end of the day if you want to continue to you know, find success. It's not just winning. You got to do a little bit more than that. It takes a little bit more effort. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think, I think with Saf transitioning and doing what he's doing, hopefully his transition goes smoothly. So people that looked up to him can be like, man, I need to do that. Because uh, again, a lot of these players they have this mindset that, oh, I'm just here to compete. I'm not going to do anything else. No longevity behind it. And you know what, when I'm done competing, maybe I'll go get a real job because that's what you'd have to do. Like you, I, I shouldn't say real job, but you have to go get a, a real world job versus getting to play games all day. And I think that's one thing that's, that's so disconnected from the community is like they complain and they're like, oh man, I'm, I'm playing video games for thousands and thousands of dollars a month. Like guys, take a step back and, and look at the alternative. Because there are people that would 
would literally kill for the same opportunities in other parts of the world that that would never or could never have those opportunities. So if you have those skills, you have the mentality to win, the one thing you need to have behind you to to help really boost your motivation is the idea that you should be grateful for what you're doing because a lot of people would love to be in your position and and, and a lot of these players they're in this position and they just don't know how to handle it. Yeah, I agree. Comes with the uh comes with age, comes with lack of I guess, you know, there's not enough pillars of uh positivity in the community, you know what I mean, as far yeah. as our, our leaders in the scene go. I think I think a lot of our scene has matured. Um a lot of the folks that we had here once are like no longer a real part of the scene. Um mm -hmm. so, you know, there's there's plenty of room, but the landscape's definitely changing. Uh 2022 I think is going to be a big year of change. Uh, across the board, top to bottom. I think we're going to see, hopefully see by the end of the year, maybe some type of return to in-person environments, right? Things of that yeah. nature will, who knows, spark more interest in the scene, maybe hit a level of realization for some of the pros that are kind of succeeding in the space, right? Like, dude, I got to show up to these spots in person. Like, maybe I should focus on community. Maybe I should build um, something that, that, gives me something to look forward to when i'm out and about and you know i i genuinely think this is going to be the year of change and if not this year definitely leading into 2023 as the landscape continues to develop um talking about communities and stuff though let, let's get let's get to some other fun topics we've been recording for a while here and i definitely wanted to talk about this next one um ice poseidon now Panda, before I, before I jump into what this man has brazenly done, do you know who Ice Poseidon is? Yeah, so Ice Poseidon is an IRL or an IRL content creator, right? Was on Twitch, got banned from Twitch, moved to YouTube, like pled his case literally, I think within the last six months to try and be back on Twitch and is now in a position where he is scamming people, <laughs> to say the least. Dude is like... <sighs> Not not only did he scam people, he scammed his fan base, guys. Yeah. Ice Poseidon was I, I want to say accused, but this is not accused. Like this is something he did. So take take that or listen to this with that in the back of his mind. He got away with half a million dollars and emits it on another feller's uh YouTube channel. His name is Coffeezilla. This dude Coffeezilla is the internet detective, ladies and gentlemen, and I mean that. That's his title. Uh, he comes in, he does his thing, and he investigates. He investigates scandals between influencers. He investigates um you know, shady people, shady business in the space, and he exposes them. Uh you guys remember FaZe Clan Save the Kid coin with the whole scam behind that and and how that whole cryptocurrency kind of worked. Right as that was all unfolding and like crumbling before, you know, Phase K and Jarvis's eyes, basically, Ice Poseidon was plotting his scam coin and also like equally lying to people like Coffeezilla and and all these other people that were like pretty much called him out for it early on. But he was so forthcoming, I guess, with what he was doing that they they kind of brushed it off and they didn't dig too deep into it. Uh, but it turns out. Yeah. He promotes a full-on cryptocurrency coin to his community and then rug pulls all the liquidity out of the coin, uh, massing up half a million dollars. And 
this is something that like in the space is isn't regulated yet right like but yeah. surely people should be able to go to jail or, or you know be penalized for this because this is like straight up scamming fraud it's fraud yeah. it 100 is it really depends on the wording of like the the coin and, and all that stuff there's there's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes um but and it, the the craziest thing right because you talked about the phase save the kids situation I actually tweeted July 1st, 2021 and talked about this. He said, "Phase guys out here making crypto look bad. <laughs> That's the start of the tweet. So you already know it's going to be great. And he goes, it's really unfortunate because there are actually a lot of good cryptos that have opportunity, creativity, and community behind them. Dogecoin is a good example of community. No one, no one or no use case, but brings people together. And Ethereum is an opportunity coin. So he tweets that literally back in July. And... See it's it's crazy because it's one thing if if he's being accused of this right it's one thing if coffeezilla is coming coming forward and and saying that he believes that ice poseidon did this no he called ice poseidon and ice poseidon on the call says yes i did scam them for five hundred thousand dollars he then go like I, or coffeezilla goes or oh, well can you give it back to him he's and ice poseidon literally goes i have the possibility to give it back to them but for me and my security i'm not going to yeah he says i'm looking out for my best interest i'm gonna just go ahead and keep the money um i'm not giving it back and and he says this like literally outright and now it's being covered by like all these other like you know mainstream or you know like media outlets essentially if you want to call them influencer outlets because it, it's a pretty big deal ice poseidon was someone who again was always i guess looked at as sort of like you know a bad apple in this space right cultivating these mm -hmm. meme communities kind of playing into those, you know, racial jokes and things like that, right? Like kind of belittling people along along the way. And this is the perfect kind of character you would think would go and do this. And then he goes and does this straight up, frauds the scene, frauds the community. Um, and I bring this topic up to tell you guys, the listeners, do not buy influencer coins, especially, you know, ones that have or influencers that have a history like that like these whole this whole crypto space guys it is very very volatile do not mess or invest with uh money for like these short schemes because um there's a very very high chance you will get burned um so just 100 so i want to bring it up more of like an educational point outside of how like ridiculous <laughs> this is uh because it, it's true i don't think enough people speak up about hey how about we don't invest in a lot of these projects right like because a lot of them aren't projects they're just like low-key get rich quick schemes right that's what they're trying to do and it's clear because how many times do we have to see this instance occur influencer pumps up a coin they take all the money they hit the dash and they're not accounted for right by the law but coffeezilla did something very interesting at the end of his video uh after it all he actually gave the link to like the fbi bureau of investigations um mm -hmm. he actually said if if enough reports come in they will investigate this so imagine can you just imagine if because of that people actually reported him and then we see like one of our first influencers get like slammed up by the fbi that would be insane yeah it would be insane i mean look there's so many scams and stuff going around right now it's crazy it, and it's not just in crypto right like i, I it kind of leads into our next topic with all the team 33 stuff but like team 33 has been getting accused of everything left right and center right but and now they're still signing people too. Yeah, every week I see them sign somebody new, and it's crazy. 
because behind the scenes from from rumors and whatnot some of the salaries that these these players are getting are astronomical so for them to be able to not only give out these salaries but fully pay them like it, it's crazy i don't know what's going on but the last thing they needed to do was get on jake lucky's radar <laughs> and uh unfortunately they did naturally Jake Lucky tweets out this morning, actually like three hours ago. He goes, Team 33, a.k.a. one of the sketchiest orgs I've ever seen in esports. It's about time something was said. Uh, if you've been wrong, cheated, or mistreated by the team, hit my DMs. And he tweets a picture of him being blocked by the team. So in my mind, when you first see this, it's like Jake Lucky's kind of like, I, I don't want to say well, he's like fishing. upset. He's right? fishing. But he was like, why is this man, why did they block me? Oh, now now they got something to hide. Let's do this. Like he, It's almost like retaliatory in a, in a little bit. He's like, wait, I'm blocked by you guys? Okay, now I'm going to expose you. Yeah, so because then he goes on a rant. I, I was going like to say, they definitely have like a little bit of bad blood there, right? There was a history. Um, There was a time when I think even Keemstar covered a little bit about this, right? And they were trying mm -hmm. to, they called him out for like these fake Airbnbs. <laughs> they were kind of posting like, oh, we own this house, but it's like a rented Airbnb. Like there's some real sketchy stuff um, and sketchy marketing tactics that Team 33 were using. They would rent out this space. And just because a celebrity visited that space, they use that as an opportunity to plaster that celebrity on their platform as if these guys endorse their brand and their product. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. a, there's a lot of real weird stuff going on there. Um, I don't know how much of this is real, where it comes from, or anything like that. But it is such a fascinating thing to me because these guys are trying very hard to build a certain perception. Um, and their biggest, most not biggest, but their most recent signing, a very successful player, Ro Kane joined them yeah. just two days ago and his his tweet got 2,000 hits um this is a person with 20,000 followers like this is someone who's very much established right like he's he's a winner in the Fortnite space so tons and tons of pros are like like solid professional players are on this roster these are guys that like you said definitely cost a fair penny to uh to keep on board keep staffed keep you know happy I guess with the player salary especially when Fortnite is like low-key inflated right yeah, I mean it's it's not even low key anymore. It's high key inflated, right? And and um, I, I believe it was TNA. Was it was it Joe Quinn? No, I think it was one of the other owners tweeted out something along the lines of "Great, another situation uh, for inflation." Oh, it's actually talking about Guild. Did you see that? That I was gonna bring that up next. It wasn't on our list to talk about, but it, I I have yeah. the page right here. Oh, I'll let you take it. Yeah, listen, Guild Esports reveals an $11.8 million loss in annual results. So what this means, guys, is they lost, let's just round it up, $12 million. They invested $12 million into the space. Guild is one of the fastest growing orgs, but they're probably one of the most spending orgs right now as well. Now, let's not take away from the fact that they also brought in revenue. They raised um, you know, a $5 million sponsorship deal with HyperX, Subway, and Samsung, right? Like, these are collective mm -hmm. incomes that they are, you know, working towards as well. They got a recent crypto exchange sponsorship with Bitstamp, right, to secure them another $6 million. So it's not like they're just pumping money and they're not making things back. But right now, they are not making it back, right? Like, where they live and stand right now, they're at a $12 million loss. And this is one of the most, uh, again, infant orgs to pop up in the space yeah it, it's funny right because people are responding to this like oh my gosh 
how could they do this? They're 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 in a terrible spot. Is what the like public perception is. Mm-hmm. You have to remember. I guarantee you, if you look at like a hundred thieves first year, guarantee you they lost as much if not more. Like uh, maybe maybe not hundred thieves because that was like influencer driven, right? I think there was a little bit of a different approach. Um, it's also. I, like I want to say, like I feel like more of an organic space back then, right? With like growing esports orgs. Now it's a little yeah. different. Like the space, the landscape, things have changed big time. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. But but they kind of need that spending year to then come back stronger. Like you kind of mentioned, now they've secured these these sponsorships that are making them annual money. Like it's just a matter of them continuing the brand. And the last thing I think they needed to come out publicly was that they 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 are negative eleven or twelve million dollars year over year. But realistically, any startup org will tell you that's exactly how it is. Yeah, you're 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 gonna go backwards, but I guess you know, uh, not twelve million dollars, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> hey, work hard, play hard, um, and you you got to spend money to make money. This is one of those instances where they are spending big money. I hope the investment pays off. And things come back around. Now, granted, David Beckham is a uh, a minority a minority share co owner to the business, so you know he's he's probably swimming in some pretty deep pockets. But no one wants to lose twelve million dollars. Uh, I don't care who who you are, or how rich you are. Uh, that's a big yeah. loss. Um, in the comments section, I wanted to bring up another person though. Co founder of Wave shared his financials and his financials in 2020, 2.7 million spent. Listen to that. This is wave we're talking about. Not even close to the amount of mega influencers and things like that. Then he shared his 2021 finances in a in a little screenshot here. Nine point nine million dollars. Like I don't know how these guys are justifying this or how long they're willing to play this investment spending game, but these are big numbers. We're talking about two organizations that are you know, around that $12 million in the whole range. And he only got like a hundred thousand followers. Like, you know what I mean? Like a hundred K over here. And let me, let me check how much guild has like, cause the, my point is like, what are you building here? Right? Like, like, where is this all going? Where's the return? Where's the investor yet? Yeah, look, guild also only a hundred thousand followers. They actually so, have less than wave. They have less than wave. Yeah. They spent more, less, probably bigger pockets, but still, it just kind of shows that like money, this money gets burnt so quickly in esports. And um, if you look at the the breakdown, let me just show you guys one of the the cost lines here: um, staff and operation costs, one point six million. So these guys are fully staffed. Uh, marketing, promotion, content production, one point seven million dollars. So like we're talking some really really big costs here. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and. It's funny because another org that comes to mind when you think of these because Actually, it's, wait. it's all kind of EU. I, I might I might be wrong. Maybe this is not Waves numbers. These could be uh, Guild's numbers, but the, C, the CEO of Wave posted it. I say that because there's an academy cost here. I don't think Wave had an academy. I think Guild had an academy that failed, and that cost is $671,000. Either way, these yeah. numbers are crazy. <laughs> uh, and, you know, they're trying, right? If you look at, like, I just looked at three socials, right? I looked at Wave, Become Legends, and Guild. And Guild seems to have the most professional appearance uh, of on socials, right? So I'll give them that. But, like, 
I can only imagine what these these orgs are spending because Become Legends, right, has been another pretty big organization in the EU scene. They only have about 74,000 followers on Twitter. I, I say only as if that's not a huge feat, right? Because that is. But when you compare them to other organizations, it's really not that much uh, in, in the grand scheme of things. But what Guild has done very well at is they've taken mainstream attention with David Beckham being an investor and stuff. And they've also expanded outside of Fortnite. And I think that's what's going to make Guild a more long-term solution for organizations versus a wave and become legends. I mean, yeah, Guild is in Rocket League, FIFA, Valorant, FN, and Apex. So they have quite literally thrown it a blanket over all the competitive titles that they can get. Um, think about it. Games like Valorant, games like, I think, Apex, they run their economies very differently. You have to pay millions to get into those competitive uh, doors, right? On top of, obviously, the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, you have to pay your players, too, by the time the year's up. So, um very, very, very interesting uh, approach and take here for Guild for them to jump in and like basically jump in head first, right? They're going for the nosedive here, straight into the water. Um, they wasted no time. I, I'm so curious to like know who is behind Guild. I know they have a little like a little LinkedIn kind of or a Linktree link here, but like I want to know like the LinkedIn breakdown. Like, who's the CEO of this thing? Who's running the marketing? Like, like, who do you guys have here? What kind of pioneers or leaders in the space are kind of running this project right now? Because if it's just people trying to feel it out, oh man, they're going to be in for a lot more losses to come. Yeah, they need to be, they definitely need to be a little bit more frugal, I think. And I think maybe they were building foundations, right? I'll try to give them the benefit of the doubt. They're building the foundations. Obviously, the first two years are a lot of spending. When it comes to a startup company, and then they look to to become profitable in, in by five years, the five year mark, which is pretty normal, I think, from a business perspective. But when you hear numbers like twelve million dollars spent, it, it it definitely takes you back a little. It reminds me of like, oh, what was that team? Oh, Team Extra. The dude took a before they up and vanished for for their whole interesting thing that went down there yeah. um yeah like that was the game plan right like throw all the money in like it, it it's go all in it's do or die uh granted we're talking like you know tens of thousands of dollars to build something that was that was special let me see if i can search them up like how far did they get because they were they were doing a great job for what it's worth uh wait did they close their twitter i think they did yeah i, guess I don't so. i don't see it yeah just so well, Conley extra still tweets, I guess, if that means anything. But <laughs> so I guess they're they're getting back into the social the social atmosphere. But if, if I remember correctly, you know, they were up there too in the numbers. They had players like Day. They had re, they were gaining quick traction. They were smashing hundreds of thousands of views on YouTube. And was, you know, similar to like the Power, right? Power in the Fortnite space is a great example of a team that has done a, an awesome job organic growth discovery and capitalizing on the influences that they've signed um team powers at 198,000 followers and they're ran and owned by lachlan or lachlan who has uh, you know a multi-million subscriber base and extremely successful but he's managed to take all that success translate it into a brand and then take that brand and build a brand following it's very special it's very awesome it's cool 
And that is how you spend money. That is how you grow in this space. You need people mm -hmm. that understand this space. People like Lachlan, who grew a channel to multi-millions you know, of subscriber base and things like that. I feel like these organizations either don't value it or they don't see why it would be mega important to have an influencer behind the brand. One that knows how to draw in people. Yeah, it, it's kind of funny when you bring up the Lachlan and the power situation. I feel like power grew to such great lengths because they they strategized appropriately, right? And it was never solely focused on competitive play. Like they had competitive players, of course, but content was there, like their connections were there and they did well in the area that they were in. Do you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. they took Australia overseas What's by, up, by storm, right? And I think when people started realizing uh, over like, like even in North America, for example, that power was a thing and they were starting to grow. That's when they looked at it and they were like, wow, this is a legitimate organization. They're seeing all the stuff that they're able to accomplish. I mean, you look at it and, and, and compared to the other organizations, they're already at 200,000 followers on socials and they've been around probably about the same amount of time. Look at this. I just went to their YouTube channel, open YouTube, searched up their channel. They broke 1 million followers on YouTube. Huge, Jeez. huge feat. Eight days yeah. ago, they had a video crack 1.2 million views. 12 days ago, 1.5 million views. Three weeks ago, 750K. One month ago, 2 million. We're talking millions upon millions of views and hits for their influencers on their brand, on their channel. That is value, right? That's a team you want to sign to. This is a team that can help you grow, build your personal brand. And this is what players should be doing. This is what organizations should be striving to achieve. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you, you look at what they've been able to accomplish by far the most impressive newer organization like and it's just it's not even close and so i would love to see them expand outside of where they're at right because they're primarily in like australia but i would love to, they're, to they're see in, them get they're in rocket league and, they're in rocket league now that's true that officially, is true officially in rocket league officially in rocket league but i would like to see them competitively expand to to different to different areas come to north america come to to Europe. I mean, they probably are in Europe, to be honest. I, I did see a picture with Lachlan, Laserbeam, and Vicstar not too long ago in e in Europe. So, could be some things going on. I'm jumping on. I'm jumping on. Become Legends uh, YouTube now. Sixty five thousand followers. Definitely underrated. Couple of uh, videos that are up in that one hundred thousand plus range. Um, Become Legends is probably my favorite organization in the Fortnite space, primarily because of their focus on the production value and their boot camps. They, I think they bring yeah. value to players in a way that no other team has done, um, almost on a grassroots level. And for that, love and appreciate them. Yeah, I agree. I think they, um, they have a good sense of what they need to do. They aren't growing necessarily as fast as some other orgs have. Uh, however, they have the potential for long-term growth and not just quick growth and drop-off. So as long as they stay on that path, they're going to be doing big things. But uh, speaking of big things, did you see this new product line that just dropped from Beacon? Ooh, yes. There. So it, this is very, very interesting. I've been, I guess, waiting for a competitor to hop into space and mm -hmm. tackle this streamer equipment niche, right? It's like one of those things yeah. that... You know, you, you don't need to 
this is like one of my analogies or, or like sayings that I kind of live by. You don't need to be number one or you don't need the whole cake to, you know, do, be doing all right. You just need a little slice, right? And like Beacon's coming for their share of the slice. They, they drop some dope mixers and, and mics to make content creation and streaming easier, more accessible, if you will, and honestly turnkey, which is the most important thing here. Um, that's the Elgato approach, right? That's the Corsair approach. And I, I genuinely like that we have some new people breaking into the space because it's going to elevate the space is going to elevate um, the entry level, I think, for, for all people. Yeah, and, and a little backstory on them. They're actually uh, two lead designers that left GoXLR and created Whoa, Beacon. Whoa, I didn't know that. So Yeah, so when GoXLR was at its peak, um, they didn't like the vision that GoXLR was going for with their product because they created it, right? So they left GoXLR. What? And then created Beacon, and then Beacon is now their main competitor but they're not the same product it's so interesting to see because they are powerful machines for these are developers um, you're saying yeah well okay. yeah they're like they're developers like they're like they the engineers they're like the engineers yeah okay but they okay. were like the executive head of engineering like it was wow it, it was like they were at the top creating the product for GoXLR. I, and i don't want to like stir anything up but it genuinely sounds to me like they were like, hey, can we get like some some royalties on this? Like, this is our thing. Like, we designed this. And mm -hmm. it, it to me, it sounds like the the higher ups like, nah, dog. You did your yeah. work for us. Thank you very much. And they're like, okay, make my own thing. Um, and yeah. they decided to maybe stop development of like into uh, you know, in I'm I'm looking for the word here, but basically uh, innovative, there it is. They, I yeah. think, I feel like they just like, all right, we're gonna pause the button on innovation here. Uh, I need, we need a, we need our own piece of the this pie here. Well, I mean, GoXLR really hasn't done anything. If you think about it, they made a mini. My point, maybe yeah. that's why. Like they were like, yo, for real, we can't, we can't get a piece of this next one or whatever. They're like, all right, forget you guys. We're gonna, we're gonna ride out this contract. Mm -hmm. We're not gonna make anything good for you. Hey, right? <laughs> we're gonna go yeah. do our own thing. Um, because GoXLR created. I mean, I'm using it right now, like literally one of Same. the best pieces of equipment um, we have ever had in this space for a very modest price, like a good price for what it's worth. And mm -hmm. yeah, it does the job. Yeah, I mean, look, that's the next thing they need to tackle. Because for those at home that don't understand, it's not quite the same as the GoXLR. It has like the mixer options. And I think it's a, it's a sleeker design. It takes up less space on the desk. Like it's really nice overall. Um, but what they need to do is they need to tackle XLR. And once they can tackle XLR for that higher end audience, I think they take over GoXLR pretty easily. GoXLR is like working on a microphone right now. And I think it's an XLR microphone, but it's probably the ugliest microphone I've ever seen in my life. Oof. I, don't, I, don't, I can't see any creator that would use it. This, it doesn't matter how good it is, right? Like they're not going to put that in front of their camera. So that's just one of those things. But I don't know what it looks like. Um desperately trying to search it up <laughs> yeah look it up real quick because i have some breaking news okay, right okay. now let's go tim the tap man has announced that he's doing a tailgate 2022 it's a two-day festival happening in frisco texas it's going to happen in july july 16th to the 17th and more info including ticket sales activities and contests will drop in march so Taking little a fun nick, info taking a nick mercer out here aren't mm -hmm. you i like this That's pretty cool i like this I support it 100%. I think it's so, so cool that they're like kind of giving back to the community. 
I, I, this is interesting to me because uh, it's in Texas. This looks like it's going to be a car show in a sense. And Texas is huge on car shows. And my boy uh, Murder TV actually built a massive and successful channel and community based off going to the racetrack, watching people race. So I feel like Tim is low-key like, you know, like, hey, man, these, these guys are winning in this lane over here, and I can get down with this. And he's doing his own spin of like something really cool, like bringing the probably going to just bring the, the quality and the production level on the delivery level way up. Um, this looks dope. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I saw it and was like, man, I gotta share real quick. Hold on, and, but and, uh, if you really think about it, if we just sat here, the Twitter would just feed us with stuff forever. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we could literally have a twenty four hour podcast where we talk about stuff that literally just hits the timeline. But, I think so. I think so. For example, Wolfie's just tested positive for COVID, guys. See, and then we could just like go down that entire conversation. <laughs> Fortnite, bro. <laughs> like this is crazy yeah it is actually kind of crazy but look you know what we talked about it wait did you find the go xlr mic yeah it, it's hideous you, yeah it's <laughs> literally it's got like holes in it and stuff like uh, it's I, such a weird looking i was gonna device. say i don't know why they went with like the gated look um and it kind of like looks like it has a windscreen right in front of it, it it's mm -hmm. a poorly designed device um and also sticks up like kind of awkwardly the way it, the way it pops out yeah it doesn't it definitely doesn't look good like at all right like it, it just it doesn't look interesting to me but you know what let them try to do their thing and if uh beacon overtakes them or or corsair decides they want to buy out beacon which i could see that happening um it'd be interesting Ooh, but that's kind of interesting healthy competition always breeds these better products I wouldn't say the Go XLR mic is a good, better product. I mean, <laughs> that's a step in the wrong direction, in my opinion. But <laughs> nevertheless. All right, though. Great episode here today. Uh, very fun return for me. Panda, I'm going to give you the floor to let, let the folks at home know where they can find you. What projects are you up to this week? Like, just, just, just lay it out there. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I'm, I am. You can find me, obviously, still on Twitter. Twitter.com slash LifeWPanda. Hit me up with questions. I'm always posting on there. But uh, I am prepping for a huge content year. Ooh. I, I hired a, a, a shorts content guy that I'm bringing on to my team. I'm expanding and investing in this year. So it's going to be pretty big. And I'm building out my studio right now, which should be done. A little exclusive for the Fortnite community or Fortnite podcast community. But uh, February 15th is my, my tentative return date. Okay. leading into the week of fncs so we'll see we'll see if uh all things go well but it's going to be a pretty crazy year for the panda brand listen you stay consistent you will absolutely continue to rise you know what i'm saying like it it will happen um Appreciate guys that. check out panda he's obviously ready for the year he's going to tackle this year you you, you can hear it right yeah y'all hear that <laughs> he's ready um don't forget, y'all, to uh, send all your complaints to me at the Fortnite Podcast at gmail.com. Um, also, just wanted to thank anyone that's listened to this video or episode drop right now. If you are listening to it right now, you are one of the, I guess you're within the first 350 because our last episode already has 350 downloads and I dropped it just a little bit ago. So big shout out <laughs> to everyone that's already checking out the content. I'm super sorry for the late drop on this one, but it's not that late. It's very much relevant. So y'all got a lot of content to listen to. 
enjoy. For all you folks, find me at Monster D Face on social medias. I will catch you guys in the next episode next week, hopefully on Tuesday. And yeah, don't forget to dance out those kills and boast in those victory royales.